right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, and anxiety spectrum disorders and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. I'm a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety. Uh, Thank you all so much for joining me today. Um, This is a question and answer based podcast where you can send me questions about OCD and anxiety and anxiety treatment and all that stuff. And I will read it, listen to it, consider it, and likely put it up in a future episode. And as I've mentioned before, well, I should I should finish that first thought. Go to fearcastpodcast.com and you can send me a question there. You'll click on the submit a question link, and it will it will uh, you can put in your info there, and it will send directly to me. I will, as I've said, read it the whole thing. All right. I have also said that if you send me. A uh, if you send me an audio question, that will bypass the wait list. So I have a little bit of a um, backlog of questions, which is which is fantastic. This is a good problem to have. But if you put an audio question in, it will bump to the top of the list. It, 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 it as I've mentioned before, it because it, it because it makes the podcast so much more interesting to hear your voice instead of just my voice. Now, given I'm happy to read the questions, but man, that's a lot of my voice, and you, you can one can only hear so much of my voice. So, we have, uh, I, in the past couple of weeks, I've gotten a, a couple of them, a bunch of them. So, we're going to be putting those up, and they have all bypassed the system. So, um, so today is going to be an audio question, so thank you so much uh, for, for considering putting up your audio question. Um, and again, just like all the other ones, you can put a fake name. So uh, the person uh, who I'm, I'm going to have the audio play, I'm going to share a name. It may or may not be their real name. Some folks send me their real names. Some people don't. Um, and um, it's kind of fun to see how they, you know, what what name they want to choose. If they, do they go with their own? Do they go with a made up one? Do they go with something completely left field like OCD sufferer or like uh, like crazy thoughts or like something like that. What is the, what is the name they're going to give me? It's, it's a, it's a fun and exciting thing for me to read. So, um, before we jump off into that, I want to remind everybody that, uh, the IOCDF uh, conference is coming up uh, July 7th to 9th. So this year, it's going to be in San Francisco. So the national conference is it's held once a year, and it bounces around all over uh, the United States. I don't know if it's been outside the United States. I'm sure it has. It might have, have, had. It might have been. But this year, it's going to be in San Francisco. So the conference is a, if you haven't been before, it's it's a really fun, and it's, it's a really fun thing. It's basically, it's going to be a couple of days, again, July 7th to 9th, and it's a place where um, it's not just for for therapists or for researchers. It is also for individuals, uh, individuals, family members with lived experience with OCD. And there's going to be talks every single day. There's going to be support groups. There's going to be um, booths where you can go and talk talk to talk to clinicians, talk to uh, uh, talk to programs about uh, intensive programs, or talk about uh, n- new approaches or new therapies. Um, but you get to hear the 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 latest and what. Re- uh, uh, Treatment looks like for OCD. You get to hear some um, uh, some fantastic stories from people with uh, lived experience with OCD, uh, and it's really just a it's an environment for people to be open and to talk about their struggles and to, and to get that support uh, that they need. Uh, if you haven't been, 
I'm sitting here kind of struggling with even how to describe it because it's a it's just a, this really fun environment. Uh, you get to see, you know, if, if you found found an article or a podcast or a YouTube video uh, with someone describing OCD treatment or describing OCD and it's been really helpful for you, there's a great chance that they're going to be there. So um, if you haven't if you haven't considered or uh, or would like to go, go check out uh, IOCDF and just if you just Google I- IOCDF International OCD Foundation and uh, conference, which is what I had Googled, uh, it pops right up. So you can uh, certainly find that, uh, find information about it um, and go check it out. I will be speaking. I was, um, some of my talks were accepted. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm on some other people's talks. So if you guys go or if you folks go and um, see me, Walk over, say hi, high five. You know, it's it's awesome to see people or, or hear from people who have listened to the podcast. And, uh, you know, I also get to then meet people who... Um uh, meet people who who has who have benefited from this podcast. It's, it's exciting to know that there are real deal people out there. So um, so don't be shy. Come on over. Um, I will probably be super anxious because I've realized at these conferences um, that my social anxiety has not gone away, and it probably won't go away, and that's fine. But um, it's like I'll, I'll walk into a room and there's you know a couple hundred people there, and I go, oh, that's right. I don't really want to talk to anybody, so I try not to talk to anybody. But then inevitably, um, you know, one of my colleagues will uh, nudge me and make me do something that I don't really want to do, um, which is good for me because that's what we do here, right? We talk about doing hard things, recognizing where our, what our anxieties are, and pushing ourselves towards the type of person that we want to be. All right. So without further ado, we're going to jump into this question. Uh, so this question comes from Lena. I'll play that right now. And, um, and then I'll jump back in and talk about it. Um, quite often in therapy, when you're in therapy, I'm doing ERP with an OCD specialist. Uh, they often mention that your OCD has absolutely nothing to do with uh, your actual sexuality when you're trying to recover from uh, sexual orientation OCD, um, which means in one way or another that uh, you could be uh, the sexual orientation that you fear you might be or you might not. Uh, your OCD has nothing to do with it, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not. Uh, quite often I'll say to my therapist that I fear that I might be a lesbian, even though I've been identifying as a bisexual for many, many years. Um, and she'll say to me that you don't really know, you'll you'll only be you'll only be capable of finding out after you've recovered from your OCD. That's the actual truth. <laughs> you don't know. You're very you have to be uncertain of it. So yeah, my question is how do you deal with uh, the discomfort of knowing that you might be or you might not be and some people often on the internet say that uh, having 
sexual orientation OCD means you're not gay or you're not a lesbian because you feel fear towards that. But the truth is that you don't really know. You'll figure it out once you've actually recovered, if you are actually. And that's a very hard pill to swallow and very hard when while I'm trying to recover. All right, Lena, thank you so much for sending in that audio question. I should mention, so she sent that message over to me through Instagram, and that's another way that you can send me audio questions. Um, I'm Fearcast Podcast over at Instagram. Um, all you have to do, it's super easy to send me a message over there. Uh, if you click, uh, if you send me a direct message, there's a little uh, a microphone button. Uh, press that. You can audio record yourself through your phone uh, or whatever device you're using, um, and it will just send directly over to me in a private way. So, um, so that's how she sent me that. Um, uh, other folks have sent me a shared Google Drive, so they recorded their voice uh, uh, into their computer, uploaded that audio file to Google Drive, and then just shared shared the link to that audio uh, over at fearcastpodcast.com. Um, so um, someone else also sent me a question uh, through a recording app, and they emailed it to me at, at questions at fearcastpodcast.com. So any one of those ways is, is a good way to get a question to me. So <clears throat> excuse me. All right, Lena, your question. Again, thank you so much for sending that. I wrote a whole bunch of notes. I'm going to try to get to all of them in the, in the most coherent manner. So um, so something that she had said that I, I've I, I very much agree with. So uh, she said that people, or she said her therapist, would say that OCD has an, or uh, um, uh, uh, OCD has nothing to do, or these thoughts have nothing to do with your sexuality. So um, th- th- this is one of the tricky parts about OCD. It's going to make you feel and think and worry about the content of the obsession. And its lie is this: the solution out of this pain, out of this torment that you're in, is by solving this riddle. And once you solve it, you will be released back to your life. You'll finally be free of all of this, and you can get back to wherever, whatever life you were in before. Like it's Jumanji or something, right? You're in this hell and torment, and then all of a sudden, if you just solve these riddles, then everything will go back to 1955 or whenever that movie was um, said. I don't know. Anyways, the movie's a delight. Both of them are a delight. The original one with Robin Williams and the second one that they made, which I was so against them making it, but it's very good. Uh, The third one, it was fine. It was a lot of the same. Anyways, enough about Jumanji. Point is, it's going to make you think it's about the content. It is not about the content. You get lost in the content and that's where anxiety comes in. From a, from um, uh, for all you um, ICBT people, the um, inference based CBT, it's getting lost in the OCD bubble. I call it the OCD fantasy land, where everything is possible. Nothing is out of bounds of consideration for what your fear could be. It is, and the and the outcomes and all this stuff. The real way that you get out of it, and I'm putting that in quotes, is by writing through the anxiety, disconnecting from that question and leaving that question unanswered. That's the scariest and hardest thing. And it's not just with sexuality. Think about it as, you know, quote, as tangible as washing your hands. 
the compulsion is there for a reason. It's, it has a function of providing certainty, safety, and, 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 and confidence, right? So washing your hands, you touched something. The question arises, what if you touch something bad? right? It's going to get you sick. It's going to get somebody else sick. It's going to cause something to happen. Oh, no, I don't want that thing to happen. So, then we do something to answer the question to make, quote, make sure that something bad isn't going to happen by washing the thing off, checking to see what it was, asking for reassurance to see if they, if your friend saw what it was, uh, or it's avoidance and not touching anything because don't you know, if you don't touch anything, you're never going to get sick, right? Um, those are all compulsions, by the way. We need to stop doing those. But once those things are done, and there's a whole host of mental obsessions or mental compulsions, excuse me. Once those things are done, there's a perceived sense of certainty and happiness and, and contentment again. But the, but the problem is, is just all it has to do is, all it, OCD has to do is ask that question again. Yeah, but what about that thing you touched? What if there was that thing? What if you didn't check? What if you didn't wash enough? Maybe you should wash a little bit more. Maybe it's not just washing your hands. Maybe you should shower. Did you touch your pants with it? Gosh, did you touch anything else with your hand after you touched the thing? And it sucks you into this whole narrative. When we start addressing our obsessions as if they're real things, as if they are facts, then we get lost. The point is to disconnect from it and to say, that is a thought, but I have to take the risk. We have to take the risk. Lena, you have to take the risk to not answer that question. And because maybe, gosh, what if this one time it was right, right? There's a silly saying, silly saying, it's, it's true. It's a broken clock is right twice a day, right? It's broken, but twice a day, it's going to happen to fall on whatever the broken time was. And this really only works for analog clocks. Um, so for those of you who have an analog clock or know what they look like, this is relevant. Anyways, silliness today. Um, <clears throat> but that's, the, that's kind of its, that's its, its arguing point. What if this is the one time I'm right? that you did touch something that's dangerous. Maybe this is the one time that you did leave the stove on. Are you sure you didn't lock the front door? Because you might not have. Are you sure this is the one time that you didn't murder your doctor after leaving their doctor's appointment? Maybe this is the one time. And that's where the anxiety comes in. <gasps> what if? So the compulsion goes back. What if this is the one time you ran somebody over? You haven't before, but maybe this time. So, it's a building in this habit of taking perceived risks and backing away from the uh, uh, content of the obsession. So, I agree. OCD has nothing to do with your sexuality, though it will make you think it is. It is not. It is about fear and overcoming and overriding and living through fear, anxiety, nervousness, and uncertainty, right? So... So yeah, so it's not about that answer. I'm looking at my notes. I can't talk and read at the same time. Reading's hard, right? All right. So you said that you're upset. You you obsess about whether or not you're actually a lesbian. But you said for years or for a very long time now, you've identified you have identified genuinely as bisexual. So um, one of the things that I've talked about in the past is trusting your compulsive conclusion. Now, what that ultimately means is when people 
given to their compulsions. And this is broadly speaking. I can't talk to every person out there individually, though if you were all in my office, it'd be a very packed office. But we can talk individually. But generally speaking, people fight their, obsess- their obsessions, their, their obsessive doubts, by trying to reiterate something they believe to be true. The obsessive question raises, uh, raises the question about whether or not something else might be true. Hey, what if you're actually a child molester? Ooh, what if you are? What if you kind of want to kill yourself? And fill in the blank with whatever the question you want, right? And this anxiety comes in. Oh my gosh, what if that's true? And then the cycle begins of trying to disprove it, to investigate it, to ask about it, to shut it down in some sort of way. Again, that's giving it a lot of this attention. So it's raising this question that you don't believe to be true, but you spend a lot of time fighting for something that you believe to be true over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Instead, what I would encourage you to do is trust what you have fought for and trust that it's right. Now, when we do that, that's going uh, to require us to do things differently. If, it, if we trusted it that it was actually true, we probably wouldn't do anything about it, right? I trust that I'm going to drive, that I'm gonna drive home and I'm going to get home safely. I don't have the guarantees, but you know what? I'm going to trust that it's true because it historically has been. Now, I could be wrong, But if I trust that my car is safe, that I'm a good driver, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to inspect my car. I'm not going to be reading the uh, driver's manual over and over again. I'm not going to call my mom and say, hey, mom, do you think I'm going to get home safe? You helped me learn how to drive. Do you think I'm a good driver? I'm not going to do any of those things because I'm trusting that I'm a good driver or that my car is safe. And again, these are safe adjacent, right? Anyways, so trust as if it is true. So, so one of the things you said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to another point that you said, because there are two things that you said, some things that I agree with and some things that are a little wonky that we have to get through. So, um, so one, the main question that you asked was, well, how do you deal with the discomfort of not knowing of, of that uncertainty? And this, I think, is the name of the game. It's how do we deal with it? Now, How do we deal with it can be answered in a lot of different ways. So one of the ways to view it, well, one of the ways that some people view it is, how do we get certainty without asking for certainty? How do we we just know, even though we're trying to practice not knowing? Well, I I think that's that's a false way to look at it. The way to look at it is, how do I ride this wave of anxiety? Not every wave. Not every wave in the future, not every wave in the past, just how do I deal with this moment right now? Now, one way that we can do that is through mindfulness, and we've talked a lot about this. Now, mindfulness can be done compulsively, can be done in a very uh, uh, non-compulsive, very beneficial way. When I'm meaning mindfulness is I'm meaning pause and feel what the experience is like. Not because that feeling is not because the the pause and the attention towards the feeling is going to make it make it go away. In fact, as you do that, there might be an initial spike in the anxiety. It might feel worse. It's because you're putting your attention on it, right? But you can start to break it down into its individual little sensations. What does this feel like? Not what is the content. 
What is my body doing right now? Is my heart racing? Is my stomach in knots? Do my shoulders feel tight? Am I hyperventilating? Am I holding my breath? Right? Does it, my head feel like it's in a vice? That's what's happening. In that moment, that is the stuff that's happening. And we could bring it down and say, you know what? I had a thought. And then I got this emotional reaction, this physiological reaction too, and this psychological one too. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to focus on and say, this is how I feel. And instead of running from the reality of how I feel, I'm going to instead face it and get in touch with that feeling right now, this one, and say, this feeling is not my enemy. This feeling is not bad. This feeling is not a danger. This feeling is the thing that I'm feeling right now, period. And we ride that out for as long as it takes. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to stop your day either. It doesn't mean to say, hold on, everybody, I need to stop this meeting because I'm getting this you know, anxious spike. And my therapist told me that I need to stop everything that I'm doing. You don't need to pull your car over. You don't need to stop the movie. You don't need to, um, I don't know, stop your wedding, whatever it is. It's, we, we ride through it by living through it, whatever it, else it is that you are doing. And we go through it. It'll be there for a period of time, and then it won't be. I promise you that anxiety, that feeling, you know, will, that feeling will go away. Because it always has, and it always will, when we give it time to go away. So, we're going tr- to learn that that feeling is okay. Ugh, it feels weird, but it doesn't, it's not a danger. We're going to ride through that. It's going to get to the end of it, and then you're going to get back to something. Now, there's another thing that you can do is you can – there are a bunch of things you can do. You can occupy your time. Now, if you're already doing something, watching TV, juggling, um, I don't know, trying to run from bees. I don't know. I'm looking at my window. There's a bunch of bees out there. and I don't know. Maybe you're beekeeping. That's a better thing. So you're beekeeping, and that anxiety pops in. Well, you don't need to stop your beekeeping hobby. All you have to do is continue to keep your bees. Beekeep? Beekeepery. I don't know. Continue to do the things that beekeepers do. And focusing your attention on that. Now, focusing your attention on that does not mean stopping thinking. It doesn't mean, excuse me, suppressing the previous thought, pretending as if it's not there. It is instead focusing your attention on that thing happening. Now, we've talked about a lot of different examples of kind of what this looks like. It's that it's kind of like saying, all right, I'm, I'm going to accept all these things that are happening and I'm going to do X instead. We do this a lot, right? Um, we do this while we're driving. We do this while we're in meetings. We, we accept that, you know, and I, I'll give you this example. Um, I might have shared this before. So uh, I like thinking about buying people Christmas presents, um, particularly my wife. And so I will, I'll start thinking in like June or July, like what I'm going to get her. Um, it doesn't mean I come up with something fantastic, but it's, I, I start thinking about it and what I want to do. Now, as we get closer, the thought po- uh, closer to the holiday, my thoughts start to increase and I start to think about it more and more and more. It's distracting because I'll be in session with a client and that thought will arise. Or I'll, I'll get, oh, that's, that would be a good idea. I should look that up. But instead of saying, hey, client, 
I need to I need to pause right now because I, I you know I need to get online and 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 look this up. That's not really going to be very therapeutic for my client. It's not going to be very helpful in general. And I'm sure I'd get a bunch of negative Yelp reviews saying, you know, my therapist keeps stop, you know, stops our sessions because they, you know, they have to jump on Amazon for something. Instead, I, I, I don't keep dealing with the question. I don't, I don't turn my attention towards my thought about what I should get or play with it. It doesn't mean the thought goes away because sometimes it lingers, right? But I gently, compassionately bring my focus back to the person and the conversation that we're that we are having, or the intervention or the exposure that we're doing. Now, sometimes I get distracted again. I get pulled back. I go, mm, not right now. I can't deal with that thought right now because I've got to do this other thing. I'll say maybe I'll get back to it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pull up Amazon after this. Or maybe I won't. Maybe I won't have time to. Maybe I'll have to do it tonight. But for right now, I have to deal with this, this person that I'm working with. So it's a gentle redirection. I'm not beating myself up or mad at this thing that my brain has wanted me to think about. I just gently bring my focus to something else. And I gently bring my focus to something else over and over and over again. But it doesn't mean suppressing the thought. It doesn't mean pretending as if it's not there. It doesn't mean um, wrenching my body or my brain into not thinking about it or trying to destroy it in some sort of way. It means a gentle redirection. Now, maybe I'm going to forget about it. And maybe I'm going to forget about the perfect present for her. Maybe, but maybe not. Now, exposure and response prevention is one of the best things that you can do. Now, again, it's two things, exposure response prevention, exposure, facing or getting closer and closer to the thing that you're afraid of, and response prevention, not doing compulsions, right? Now, again, with the compulsions, we are not answering the question. But either life is going to give you exposures, which we call natural natural exposure, or you are intentionally going to go seek out that feared thought. But in both instances, whether life gave it to you or you gave it to you, it's to practice response prevention. It's to practice pulling out compulsions and just letting yourself feel uncomfortable, right? We do this all the time. We go to the doctor to get a shot and we intentionally put ourselves through physical harm. We go to, we pay a lot of money and we go to Disneyland or Six Flags or something like that to put ourselves on a ride to trick our brain into thinking that we're about to die. We pay good money to go see a horror movie where we get those terrible feelings like like we are afraid and and we see horrible, gory images that we paid money for. And if you didn't feel like you were going to die and you didn't feel scared seeing the scary movie, we'd say it was a bad movie or we say it was a bad ride. It's, the, it's not the feeling that's bad. It's just you had it when, at a time you didn't want to. So it's about getting used to that feeling. And if your body naturally produced it as you were out and about, well, we're going to ride through it because, well, this is an anxiety disorder. It is a good feeling that it is out of order. You're having too much of it or it's showing up at the wrong time. It is disordered. It's a disorder, right? But it's not bad. All right. So those are a couple different ways that we can deal with the discomfort of of these thoughts. Now, the two things that I'm, that uh, that I want to talk about. So your therapist said, so you don't really know, but you you'll find out after you recover, right? After treatment. Now, this is bonkers. Um, 
all right. So I think I, I think they are either wrong or I think that they are using a tactic, which I get. It can be enticing to say, you know what, we're not going to deal with this right now, which is which is the one one of the right things to do. But it's to say to put that carrot at the end is to say as if to say at the end of this treatment you're definitely going to know because you'll recover and you'll have certainty about your sexuality, right? And I think that is a false lie because then then you're never out of treatment. You're never out. The point of OCD treatment, the point of exposure and response prevention, the point of, 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 of all major um, approaches for OCD is not to eliminate anxiety, or excuse me, is to not get certainty, is instead to live with and live and learn how to ride through that anxiety. That's the process. So it doesn't mean that we then are never gonna, or are 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 gonna constantly live in a, in this in this like heightened state of anxiety, or a, a living in that acute uncertainty feeling. But it also doesn't mean that then you get all the answers to life at the end of treatment. It is a state of being comfortable with the fact that there are some things that we can't know, and we learn to live with uncertainty. And that we can have a life and not have all of the answers. So, the best analogy that my silly brain can come up with, it's kind of like saying, you know, <clears throat> all right. Now, all right, so I'll put it this way. I can't, we can't have certainty on this, on this end of things, right? It, 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 we, we know after something has happened, whether it has happened, for, for some things. I'll give you an example. So um, after this, after I finish my podcast or recording, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive. Now, I don't know right now whether or not I'm going to die today. So this might be my last podcast. We'll have to see. But, <clears throat> and if it is, I'm, I'm really sorry for the folks that I haven't been able to answer their questions. Uh, I'll figure that out. Point is, um, Ghost Kevin will come back and record things from beyond probably not going to happen. Um, all right, so I'm going to get in my car. I don't know on this end of things whether or not I'm going to die in my car today. Now, I will know when I get home whether I have or have not died. But it doesn't mean I know whether or not I'm going to die in a car wreck. It just means that for that drive, I got out of it without dying. Okay. So, I know this is this is a loose analogy. It's not great. It's not my favorite. And then kind of the point is we can say, well, did I discover, Lena, did you discover today that you were indeed a lesbian? No? Okay. Well, you didn't today, but maybe tomorrow, right? I can't still have to stay bisexual for today. Um, but tomorrow, tomorrow is your day, or in two weeks, then you'll know, but then you might know. Right, it's the uncertainty about the future that we don't know then, and we might constantly be in this place where we could eventually discover it. But thus far, I have not discovered it. So we're saying, you know what? I haven't. I might, but we'll have to see. It's essentially living in the in the presence of not knowing and the potential that we could discover it. So it's a weird analogy. So. But again, it's not like I'm going to drive home, survive, and then realize I'm never going to die in a car wreck today. That's not how that works. I could, it could happen tomorrow. Anyways, so you get the idea of beat that dead horse. So 
I, I, I agree with and disagree with your therapist in the sense that, you know, may, maybe they're using it as a carrot to try to entice you to do treatment, which, you know, is a tactic, I suppose. Um, but it might, it might be unfortunately creating a false, um, a false sense of optimism or, or a, a, a a false outcome of what treatment is going to be. We're, we're not going to not, we're not going to eventually discover it. It's where we, we learn to be okay with the not knowing. And I think that would be a better, a better way to view that. So the other thing is uh, the internet, the internet's the problem for most things, in fact, but you said internet folks will say you have uh, a sexual orientation OCD. It, it, it's, it's indicative that you're indeed not gay. So, I don't know if this is true. In fact, I'm going to say it's it, it it it's it's false. Now, I think it's a strong indicator that when we feel fear, fear is not the same as attraction. You're fearing this thing that could happen, but feeling fear is not the same as attraction towards somebody, right? Um, that is not. I mean, if that's the case, all those horror movies I saw, it's just those are all the love stories, right? Um, that's how we know that people are falling in love is because they're terrified and crying in a corner somewhere, right? Um, uh, this reminds me of a silly meme. I posted it somewhere. It's uh, I posted it on Instagram. This is a while back, and it's a thing of a it's the it's a little cartoon of somebody says, "Hey, live it, live each day like it's your last." So what does it look like? It's a person li- like huddled in the corner, like looking like they're about to die and like living in fear and just this terrified look on their face. Um, it's the same way I feel about YOLO. YOLO should not be, you know, the thing that people said about 10 years ago. Um, it shouldn't be about like, go out and be crazy. It's like, let's be really cautious. We only live once, everybody. Anyways, these are funny things that are coming to my mind. All right, so the internet's the problem. Um, Having sexual orientation does not mean that you're gay. It means that you have anxious. It means you have anxiety. That's what it means. Now, it, it, if if we're trying to use that as a barometer for certainty, that's part of the problem, right? It's it, it's it, it's it's that fa- it's that false. Mm, what am I trying to say? Mm, I'll let go of that. So instead of using that as a a, a another means of certainty, say you know what. I have anxiety about my sexuality and I'm going to live with this uncertainty and feel this feeling for right now while I continue doing the things that I'm doing in life, pursuing the relationships that I want, having conversations with people that I want and resisting getting into that, that debate. Part of that fear for sexual orientation OCD for a lot of folks is what if I discover this thing about myself that I don't want that would change my life? in some way, in some perceived way? Or what if I just don't know who I am? What if I don't know what I'm about? You said I identify as, you, you Lena, identify as bisexual, but you don't identify as lesbian. So what if I'm someone I'm not? Wouldn't that be scary to not know who I am? Because then anything could change. Anything could happen. Maybe, but we ride that out. We have to live with the possibility that maybe we are going to discover this thing about ourselves. Though generally speaking, those things don't happen, but your brain says, but it could. Okay, fine, it could. But we're not going to waste any more time debating it, questioning it, worrying about it, arguing with it, getting certainty about. Instead, we're going to ride through that feeling and pursue the things that you want to do. Now, that can also be I'm not going to check my locks when I leave for, you know, I'm not going to check my locks twice after I leave the house. I'll check it once 
and then I'm going to, for a short time, for like two seconds maybe, and then I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to say that maybe this is the day that my house gets broken into. It might be. But I'll find out later today. And that will be the thing I discover for today. Not for evers, but for today. And then tomorrow I'm going to say, yeah, well, I didn't, it didn't get broken into today, but maybe tomorrow, maybe tonight, we'll have to see. It's not being broken into right now, so we'll have to see. So, uh, Lena, thank you so much for this question. I think those were all my notes. <laughs> hmm, those are my notes. All right. Uh, I'll slide the uh, music in right here. So again, thank you so much for the question. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like me to answer a question, um, send me an audio question. You can send me a a text question as well um, through fearcastpodcast.com. As I mentioned, I'm going to do this podcast until I stop getting questions. And um, it has been my honor to answer these questions and be part of your recovery journey this whole time. Um, Some, some, some things I've said have been weird. Some things I've said I think have been been helpful, but it's I think that's to be said about most things. And if, anyways, <laughs> it's randomness today. Um, thank you so much for trusting me to be a part of your your recovery journey. Um, check out the IOCDF conference if you would like to learn more about OCD and really get uh, really uh, uh, get some inspiration uh, it's a, and some uh, get a boost in your knowledge about OCD treatment check out the IOCDF conference it's uh, really really fun so if you have a question go over to fearcastpodcast.com check me out over at Instagram I am fearcastpodcast over there and um, I, I will put your question up on a future episode. So everybody, please remember that the FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and there's going to be a find help link and there's going to be some information for you there. So until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.